hey, this week is the last week in this series called Stress Less. And, uh, of course, God gave me this series back in January, and so uh, the timing was right on this. He really was preparing us uh, to get through a tough situation and to deal with a stressful uh, uh, series of events. You know, no matter who you are, this, I guarantee you this is stressing you out in some way. Um, it just, it's just doing that. You know, the nature of the situation uh, is hard. And so, um, but life is full of stress and, and situations that can stress us out. And so it's very important that we understand um, how, to, how to get to the place we need to be, to grow and mature to the place that God wants to take us in our lives. You know, God does want to grow us to be mature Christians that are not, uh, swept around by the waves of life, but we have a steadiness to us. We have a character, a depth of character and maturity. So the, the situation we're in does not dictate how we respond to it, but rather we respond to the situations in life because of the God we believe in and trust in, because he's in our lives and he's built us up to be, uh, to be certain of, of who he is and confident and sure in him. And it's a process to get there. And so we've been looking at that in this series. You know, the first week we looked at um, that everything starts with, uh, in, when it comes to, uh, you know, stressing less, it all starts with what we believe. What is our source of truth? And the first week in this series, we really looked at how we need to uh, believe God. And that if we believe God and his view of our situation and our life, and how he inter, interacts with us in this life, if we take that view and believe it, that it's going to change our behaviors and actions. And, and that's going to result in changing how we feel. And so today, uh, we've looked at um, truth and what we believe. And then last week, we looked at what we do and trying to build some good habits into our lives and be obedient. This week, we're, we're looking at dealing with feelings. Feelings are the caboose of the train. They follow what we believe and what we do. Uh, and so, uh, but feelings are difficult. We all have them and we got to manage them. Some feelings are good. Some feelings are bad. Uh, so much in our lives affect how we feel. Uh, we can have a bad dream the night before, wake up the next day and, and it affects how we feel sometimes. You know, it, it can be silly things. And so uh, it can be hard. It can seem so complex. It's like, how do we manage and, and manage our emotions and our feelings? How do we uh, you know, direct that? What can we do to control those and to get rid of the bad feelings and emotions and add the good feelings and emotions? It can just seem overwhelming. And sometimes we just kind of give up. You know, for instance, there was a guy uh, who was feeling kind of down about himself. He said, listen, I'm like a walking economy. My hairline's in recession. My waistline's going through inflation. And between the two of them, they're driving me to depression. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, what, what you believe. Here, here's the most important line. This is the progression of how it works. What you believe affects what you do, which results in how you feel. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for your scripture, for the word that you've, you've uh, protected for us and handed down to us so that we can have your words. We can have your truth which we can read and understand and listen to and apply to our lives. And God, I just thank you for that. I thank you for a place where uh, your word can be preached and where the truth can be proclaimed. And Father, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us today. I pray for each person listening, going through a stressful time. We're all dealing with a stressful time at some level. God, I just pray you'd impress upon us, reveal to us 
the nugget of truth that we need so we can step forward, walking with you, growing in you, and managing our emotions from bad, negative, uh, harmful emotions to good, uplifting, healthy emotions. Uh, God, I know that you have this in mind for us. It's your will and your plan for us. You created us, and you speak to this issue so much in the scriptures. So, Father, just encourage us today. Help us to learn what we need to. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you experience bad emotions and you take action to make those bad feelings go away with, by, by doing something that gives you a different feeling or numbs a little bit the feeling that you have, the bad feeling you're trying to get rid of, when you do something to manage that emotion, in other words, you do something else. It could be uh, drinking. Uh, you, could, you could start to drink a little bit, and that would numb a little bit the, the anxiety and worry maybe or whatever it is, the negative feeling you have. You do something like that, or let's say you just start working out. You're, you go out and run uh, 10 miles a day, and you know, you're working out in the gym, or let's say you, you get into a healthy diet, whatever it is. You're trying to, you're trying to mitigate the bad emotions, and you're trying to uh, make those fade a little bit and wash away. When you do it that way, if that's how you manage your emotions in life, Really what you're doing is putting a band-aid on the situation. You're not really dealing with the core root of those emotions, those negative bad emotions that end up being so destructive in our lives. They're uncomfortable, they make us feel bad, and oftentimes they lead us to bad decisions and bad behavior. And so if you're just doing something to kind of mitigate that, you're really not dealing with the core of the issue. If instead... You change what you believe about your situation. First, you change what you believe. For instance, Jesus said, in this life, he said, listen, I don't want you to worry about this life. The things in this life that matter to you, don't worry about them. Instead, entrust them to God. Because God's your father, he loves you, he's gonna take care of you and provide for you. Okay, this is the truth that Jesus proclaimed. So if instead of uh, trying to, you know, deal with your emotions by doing something else that makes you feel a little bit better or not quite as bad, if instead you start to change the way you believe and you accept this truth that Jesus preached and taught and you take it deep into your, into your mind and your heart and you make it a core truth that you really believe in, so much so that you're willing to trust God with your life. And then if in response to that truth, you start to follow the Apostle Paul's admonition in Philippians 4, verse 4, he said this, Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. He's saying, listen, always be full of joy all the time. You're like, how can I be full of joy? Well, the way you can be full of joy is if you really are trusting God with your life. If you really believe it down deep that he is in charge, he's in control, he loves you, he has a hold of you, and you believe that, and then all of a sudden, you start to take on the action, express the action of always being joyful and rejoicing in your situation. What that means is you thank God and you celebrate the good things God's doing in your life. You thank him for your situation and the good that he's going to work out in your situation, no matter how bad it is. So you, you begin to take this on. You believe something different about your life. And then you start to act upon that. Then, when you do that, when you follow that progression, what begins to happen is transformation begins to take place inside of you. And you will begin to experience the good feelings and the good emotions that God promises us in the scriptures. 
you'll begin to experience peace. The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. In other words, doesn't make sense up here, but it's a peace we can experience in our heart and soul and mind when we've entrusted God with our situation. We can experience joy in the midst of struggle. We can have happiness, actual happiness, not the, the shallow happiness that we get from the world when we chase things we want and get the, the new thing, the shiny new toy or whatever it is that we want. That's a shallow happiness. It fades quickly. But God wants to give us a deep abiding happiness, real happiness inside. That happens as we believe what God says and begin to live in obedience to him, act out of obedience. Fulfillment comes to us. Love comes into our lives. These feelings come as a result of what we believe and of what we do based on those beliefs. The process of changing our feelings starts with changing what we believe, and then it's followed up with taking action on those beliefs. Often, we believe that if we do something, or oftentimes when we look at our feelings, we believe we do something because of a feeling. In other words, I feel hungry, so I eat. You know, I feel sad, so I cry. I feel angry, so I yell or I hit something. Whatever's I do. So the action comes as a result of the feeling. But the truth is, the real progression starts with what we believe. So in other words, an example, if I get angry because somebody, I think, disrespected me. Somebody treated me wrong. They spoke to me wrong. They cut me off in traffic, whatever it might be. I get angry at that. Okay, one of two things could be going on deep inside of myself as to what I believe. The first is maybe I have some insecurity or deficiency in how I view myself. And so I feel like I'm less than, so other people run over the top of me and they treat me wrong, and and that's why. Or the other extreme could be happening where I think I'm puffed up with pride and I think I'm uh, the smartest or the best, and so people are treating me poorly and that angers me because it it doesn't match up with how I view myself. And so um, we have this this problem. So um, let's say that's what I'm struggling with. I have those, uh, those feelings and I react to those. I get angry. Well, if I get angry, let's say I confront somebody. You know, I drive up alongside them and I yell at them through the car window because they cut me off. Or, you know, I get my coworker in the, in the room and I say, listen, you treated me poorly. And I confront them. Well, I might feel better for a little bit, okay, because I dealt with that situation. But the truth is I haven't changed anything. Because how I view myself, which is the real problem, has not been addressed. What really needs to happen is that I have an accurate view of myself. The Apostle Paul spoke to the early church on this because guess what? We've all struggled with this for time, uh, for the entire time the human race has existed. This issue has been there because it's a sin issue. It comes as a result of our sin nature. And so in Romans 12, chapter 3, or chapter 12, verse 3, the Apostle Paul said this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give you, uh, each of you, this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. What Paul's saying is, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, have an accurate view of yourself, okay? Accurate, meaning don't have some mousy view of yourself that says you're no good, you know, you can't do anything and you can't contribute anything. That's not accurate, all right? That's as a result of our sin nature. And also don't have a puffed up view of yourself that says you're the most amazing person in the world, you know? You're God's gift to the world. No, both of those are wrong, right? Paul says have an accurate view based on the truth, based on what God says. Be self-aware and know who you are. Certainly know what you contribute, that God has made you fearfully and wonderfully. He's given you gifts and abilities. He expects you to make a difference in the world for good. And he's, he's designed you in such a way you can do that. 
So it's accurate to say, hey, here are the things I'm good at. Here's what I can contribute. This is where God's gifted me and blessed me. These are the things I've worked on so that I can contribute. Good. And then on the other side, don't think that you're, again, God's gift to the world and the most amazing person at everything, right? That gets us in trouble, both extremes. Paul says, have an accurate view. The problem is (laughs) that when we address something um, and we try to control it or fix it because we feel like we have to, uh, it always has the wrong outcome. Another example, when we make a change in our diet, we're trying to make a change. We go, man, I'm, I'm overweight. I'm out of shape. I got to do something. So we start to change our diet. And so we start to change the food we eat, right? Well, why do diets so often fail? We don't stick with them. Well, because really what's required in order for me to make a change like that in my life is I've got to have a change of belief. <laughs> I got to have a change of belief about food and nutrition and what I need to do, what's good for me. And so if I change the way I think, then all of a sudden I can change my diet and I can stick with it because I'll have good feelings about what I'm doing, about the change I've made. But if it's reluctant and I haven't really changed the way I feel about it, then, um, then very quickly I'm not going to be able to keep doing it because I'm not going to have the satisfaction uh, and you know, the good feelings associated with the change I've made. Um, there was a coworker uh, who asked a friend why he got donuts on the way to work if he was supposed to be on a diet. And, and this friend said, well, listen, you know, I was on the, I was on the way to work and I went past the donut shop and, uh, because that's on the way to work. And as I passed by, I said, God, if you want me to stop and get donuts, then go ahead and give me a parking spot right in front of the front door. And he said, after the eighth time around the shop, there it was. Listen, <laughs> oftentimes we respond to our negative feelings um, because that's what we notice. We notice the feeling. We got anxiety, we got anger, we got fear, resentment, whatever it is, and that feeling is what we notice. And so negative feelings are hard to live with, so we try to get rid of them. But so often we take the wrong approach to dealing with them. Like I said, we either try to do something else that makes us forget about or not notice those negative feelings so much, or we try to run away from a problem or situation in our lives that's causing us anxiety, fear, and difficulty. The problem is with running away from our problems, and I'm sure you've heard this, is that if you run away from your problems, your problems will follow you because they're your problems. They're not based on your situation, right? Sometimes a situation can make our character come to the surface. It can reveal to us behaviors and attitudes and actions that we didn't think were there. And when things were great and everything was easy, they didn't show up, but all of a sudden we're struggling and there comes that bad character man, I got a temper problem. I didn't see it when I didn't have to deal with people, but now I got to to deal with people, so now I'm angry all the time, right? And so our situations can reveal problems. They don't create them. The, The real problem exists within us. It's because we've got a sin nature. It's because we struggle with sin, and that is what our problem is. And so we've got to have a change in how we view our lives. We've got to have a, we've got to have a change in how we view our problems. Uh, There was a newspaper columnist named George Crane. He told a story one time of a wife coming into his office, and she said, I want to get a divorce. I'm so frustrated with my husband. She said, not only do I want to leave him, but I want to make him suffer. I want to make him hurt as much as he's hurt me. And uh, George Crane said, well, listen, I got an idea for you. Here's what you should do. He said, just go for the next two months, go home and and, uh, 
you know, submit to your husband, love him, support him, speak life into him, encourage him, do everything you can do to make him believe that you are so happy and so in love with him. Uh, just do everything you can and do it for two months. And when, once you've done it for two months, he'll begin to believe that you really do love him and you really are uh, with him in this marriage. And then when that's happened, then drop the bomb and tell him you're going to leave and you want a divorce. And he said, that's going, to make him, uh, that's going to make him suffer. I mean, it's going to throw him off, and it's really going to bring home the pain of the situation. And she said, brilliant. That's beautiful. That's exactly what I'm going to do. And so she left his office. She went home. And for the next two months, she loved her husband. She supported him. She submitted to him. She lifted him up, encouraged him, uh, enjoyed the relationship, just did everything right. And uh, when Dr. Crane, uh, after a couple months had gone by, she didn't come back in his office. And so she called him and said, uh, or called he called her and said, hey, what, what's going on? Are you still going to follow through with the divorce? And she said, divorce? No, never. Uh, over the last two months, living the way I did, I, I began to realize I really do love him. <laughs> I really do want to live with him. See, motion results in emotion. The ability to love is established not so much by fervent promise as often repeated deeds. Our actions result in in the emotion we'll feel. What we do is going to affect how we feel in the end. And reacting to our feelings can get us in big trouble. We've got to realize that there's a belief system that comes first, and then actions that follow that, and then feelings are the result. If we start doing the right things, good feelings will always follow. Good feelings are a reward. They're a result of good behavior, of doing the right thing. The feelings that result from doing bad always fade. They never last and they never satisfy us. Whatever you might try to do to mitigate or to deal with a negative emotion, if you're not dealing with the core of who you are and the core belief that you have about yourself, about your situation, if you're not interacting with God around that issue, I promise you whatever you do to try to deal with that emotion is going to fade. It's not going to work. And it's going to leave you in worse shape when you're done because it won't fix it. The good news is this, and I want to encourage you. We're going to look today at three different steps in a process to deal with the negative emotion and see God actually transform and change us from the inside out. Jesus didn't come to die for us so we could continue to live the same life we've always lived. He came to die for us to deal with our sin so that we could experience new life in him. John 10.10 says, He came that we might have life, and have it to the fullest. That is what God wants for us. Um, full life, good life, is not determined by our situation. We are in the middle of a crazy time, a stressful time. And if your life is being dictated by this stressful time, then I promise you it's going to be dictated by whatever you go through in life. And a lot of people try to control their life, control the situation so they never feel the bad feelings. But the real answer is to deal with the core of who we are, what we really believe about God, about ourselves. So the good news is you can experience healthy feelings. You can experience good feelings that God wants to give you and, put, and build into your life. They can be real and genuine. And anyone can experience these. You can. I don't, I don't care if you're struggling with financial pressure, um, if you're going through uh, dealing with conflict with a spouse, a coworker, a neighbor, a, a family member. I don't, if you're dealing with loss, if you're dealing with failure, if you're contemplating divorce and the, and the fragmenting of your marriage, um, if you're dealing with addiction, if it's just this, uh, this uh, virus that's got you uh, stressed out and the situation of it, I don't care what it is, guys. You can experience good, healthy emotions. 
They can be brought into your life. When you start implementing change, though, if you begin to start this, right, you go, listen, I want to believe what God says. I'm going to start to believe what God says. And then I'm going to start to act out of that. You're still going to have the negative emotions. They don't disappear right away. It's, it's a process, right, to deal with them and to see the change come in your life. It's not instant. This isn't a microwave solution. You know, it's not a, hey, start doing these five things and you're going to be instantly happy. That's not how it works. You've got to develop character. You've got to build into your life, and this takes time. And so um, at first, when we're making a change in this arena, we're trying to change our beliefs and our behaviors, we've got to do something with the negative emotion because it's harmful and it'll hold us back. Here's what we can do with them. Give God your negative emotions. Give God your negative emotions. That's step one in this process. You're dealing with life. You're trying to make a change. It's not going to happen immediately, so you've got to do something with those emotions because they'll hold you back and they'll, they'll keep you in your old behaviors. And so you've got to do something different with them. The Bible tells us to give them to God. In 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 5, we find an interesting teaching by the apostle Peter. He teaches the church, the early church, this is what he taught them. He said this, in the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders. And all of you dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under God's mighty power. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. In this passage, Peter is obviously dealing with a situation that's going to have pressure, negative emotions, conflict is going to be involved here. This is what he's addressing. It's a, it's a power struggle. He's saying there's, older, there's elders who are in charge, and some of you who are younger don't like their leadership. You don't want to submit to them, and so you're frustrated. Have you ever been frustrated with the leadership that you're under? I know you've never been frustrated with your pastor. I mean, that's good news. But, but you've probably been frustrated with somebody, right, that's in authority over you. You thought, man, are they doing the right thing? Are they handling this right? I wish they'd do something different. And you feel trapped in it because you can't control the situation. Peter says this, submit to each other. Submit to the authority over you. He said, this is the right thing to do. This is good character. This is what God would have you do. If you want to put into action the right behavior, then submit to the authority over you. He says to humble yourself, not raise up in pride and arrogance and ego and fight with those over you. Don't do that. Submit to them, right? Stay humble as you relate to each other. This is the correct behavior. And then he says, listen, you're going to be worried about it. You're going to have stress about it. Hand that over to God. Give God your worries and cares because he cares about you. So in the middle of a tough situation, things aren't going the way you want. You're struggling with it. You're struggling with the personal leadership over you. Give your worries and cares to God. Trust him with the negative emotions. How does that work? How do I do that? What, 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 what do I really have to do, pastor? This is what you do. You know, all of us, when we're going through a difficult situation, there's conflict involved. We think it through. Extroverts talk it through out loud, right? They have a conversation with themselves. People think they're crazy. Introverts have a conversation with themselves inside their head. So they don't look as crazy as extroverts, but they're doing the same thing. They're having a conversation with themselves about the situation. They're trying to see it. What do I do here? How do I fix it? They're venting and they're, they're dealing with this. So they're having this, uh, this way of, of dealing with a conflict and a difficult situation. And Peter's saying here, instead of having that conversation with yourself, Instead of trying to deal with it uh, with yourself, go to God with it. Talk to him. 
And what's the reason you can do that? Because he cares about you. He sees what you're going through. He knows how others are acting and, and what those other people are doing. He knows. He knows that uh, the leaders are doing this or that. So listen, instead of having a conversation with yourself, which doesn't lead anywhere, doesn't fix the problem, have a conversation with God. Give your negative emotions to him. God will take the bad emotions because he cares about you. In other words, God sees the situation. He cares about you. He's intimately involved in it. If you take matters into your own hands, if you try to deal with it yourself, really, no matter what you do, <clears throat> you always come out looking bad because you, you typically handle it in a selfish way. After two weeks of pre-K, Linda Wilbank's five-year-old grandson came home with a mighty big compliment. Nick told his grandmother that he was the smartest kid in his class. With a deep sense of pride, Linda asked him, is that what the teacher told you? He said, no, no, ma'am, I had to let her know. Yeah. Listen, when we, when we push ourselves, when we try to stand up for ourselves, when we try to deal with things, it just ends up looking bad because it's coming from the wrong place. Uh, our character shows through. And our defensiveness, our insecurity, our pride, that's what we lead out of. And, and uh, the scriptures are teaching us, listen, give God the negative emotion. Give it to him so that you don't act out on it. So that your behavior, your character isn't affected by it. As you talk to God about your situation and entrust him to, it to him, the second step is this. Allow God to give you the positive emotions. Allow God to give you the positive emotions. In order to experience the positive that we want to experience, peace, joy, happiness, love. In order to experience those, um, we have to keep a clear mind. We have to stay focused in on the good that's happening. Um, and, and, uh, and otherwise, we'll have those destructive emotions, and it'll create destructive behavior. But in order to do that, we've got to accept the good that God's trying to get us and this, or give us, and this literally will be a battle inside of you. Colossians 3.15 says this, and let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. The operative word here is let. Let the peace of God that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. In other words, don't let anxiety and worry and fear rule in your heart. You've got to let the peace that God gives, that's got to rule. How can that rule? Well, you've got to determine whether or not you really believe God is in charge. He loves you. He cares about you. He's involved in the situation. This is what's required if we're going to really change what we believe and what rules in our hearts. We've got to let it happen. But I've walked down the road, and I'm sure you have too, of not letting God, of actually resisting him when he's trying to give us peace. He's trying to give us uh, a good uh, perspective on the situation. He's trying to give us the peace and joy and, and contentment and happiness that he wants to give us, and we resist it. We can flat out say no to it. Here's what it sounds like when we do that. I don't want to bother God with my problems. He's got more important things to deal with. We say that in our hearts and minds. It's a mistake. It's resisting what God wants to do in us. We can say this. They need to change. Not me. They're the ones who are wrong. They need to make an adjustment, so I'm going to stay right where I'm at. I'm not going to move. I'm not going to bend. I'm not going to change. They have to change. They're the ones wrong. We can do that. We can say this. It's my responsibility to handle this situation. I can't go crying to God every time something goes wrong. 
That seems childish, immature. I should be way beyond this. So I'm going to handle this. And lastly, which unfortunately I think is most often the case, we say something like this. If I don't deal with this, it won't get solved the way I want it to get solved. If I don't control the situation, if I don't do something about it, I'm worried that if I give it over to God, he's going to do something different than what I want. And so we hang on to it. (laughs) We try to continue to control it so that the outcome is what we think we need. The truth is that God knows what we need much better than we do. We're his children. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. We've got to learn to hand it over to him and to trust him. Some time ago, I found this uh, message from God. Uh, It's a little letter um, as though God was writing it to you. And I think you'll find encouragement in this. This is so, so true. It's how God wants us to look at our situations. This is God speaking here, and this is what he says. My precious child, I'm in control. I'm sovereign. I am able to make things happen the way I want them to go. Yes, I allow you to make your own choices. And I know you don't fully understand how these ideas can operate side by side. But I am able to work within and around the choices you make to cause my ultimate purposes to succeed. For this, you must trust me. Ask me about your choices and and plans. My wisdom is yours if you'll only ask. I want you to cooperate with my plans. When the people around you don't do that, be assured I am still in control. I will fulfill my plan. Their choices are their own, but I'm still in control. Trust me, I'll use it for your good. Lovingly, your heavenly father, the king. Listen, guys, maturity in the Christian life is this. It comes as we really learn to trust God with our situation. Maturity comes, that steadiness, that strength of character, that ability to see the good, to rejoice always, to be joyful always, to be thankful always. That's not something that happens in a snap. It doesn't happen instantly. It's developed in us. It's a strength that God builds into us. It starts with trusting him, trusting him, going to him with our life decisions and making those decisions out of obedience to him. When we let go of trying to control the outcome and we give the situation over to him, then we can make the right choices with our behavior. Instead of uh, acting out of insecurity, fear, anxiety, doing things that we shouldn't do, reacting to others in ways we shouldn't react, all of a sudden we have the strength and ability to do what's right. See, gaining control of our emotions comes as we learn to live out this one deep truth. And this is it, the last... um, the last in this progression today. Obedience to God is the source of true happiness. Obedience to God is the source of true happiness. Believing God is where peace starts. Obedience to God is how we experience happiness and peace. God wants to build us into our lives. But all the time, as we walk with God, And certainly, we can do this for our whole lives, guys. We can choose to do this. We can choose to walk through life and and try to maintain control of everything and fight with God 
over giving it to him, over relinquishing control to him, over acting and living out of obedience to him. We can say, no, listen, uh, my, my situation's bad, God. You know, I, I don't have enough money, so I got to steal something. Uh, God, you don't understand my, uh, my, you know, I'm not getting uh, love and affection at home, so I'm going to look outside my marriage. Um, we can go, hey, I can't afford not to live together. You know, I know we're engaged and God says not to, but we need to move in together because uh, we're going to get married and we can't afford not to. We can constantly try to contain control over our situation. Well, I'm just too nervous and anxious. I got to have a drink. And that turns into two and three and four and five and six. And, and pretty soon we're, we're addicted to it, right? We can continue to maintain control of our lives. But God is constantly there saying, listen, let go. Let me have it. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. I will carry this for you. I'll walk through life so you don't have to have this pressure on you. So you can walk in obedience to me. But if you don't let go and if you don't give up control, you're going to struggle to change your behavior because that's where it starts. Jesus taught on where we should put our trust and how we live based on that trust. In John 14, verse 23 through 27, Jesus said this. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I've told you. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I've read that Edward VI, King of England, back in the 16th century, when he attended a worship service, he stood while the word of God was read. He would take copious notes during the sermon. Later, he would study them and pour over them with great care. Throughout the week, he earnestly tried to apply them to his life. That's the kind of serious-minded response to the truth that we need to take on. A single revealed fact cherished in the heart and acted upon is more vital to our growth than a head filled with lofty ideas about God. One step forward in obedience is worth years of studying about it. We can know God's word. We can hear sermons, sermons, sermons. We can uh, go to Bible study, Bible study, Bible study. All of that's good. We've got to have the truth of God in our hearts. But unless we take it to heart, unless we believe it and change our behavior as a result of it, we're not going to experience the life God wants to give us. Jesus said the kingdom of God is like finding a, a field with buried treasure in it. He said, you're going to go sell everything you have so you can buy that field and get that treasure. Are you searching for truth? Are you hungry for righteousness? Peace, happiness, joy, and love, these are all found when we believe God and obey what he says. If you're hungry for truth, if you're willing to grab onto it when you hear it and find it, and believe it in your heart, if you're willing to begin to act out of that truth, change your behavior, change what you do, obey what God says, then, guys, good emotions are going to come into your life, and the bad emotions will leave. You will find peace that passes all understanding comes into your life. You'll no longer be controlled by your situation, but more by your trust in God's power to get you through it. If you find yourself in a tough situation, you're frayed by it, right? You're acting out in ways that are pushing others away. You find yourself in conflict all the time. You feel isolated and alone. Um, listen, there's a way out of that situation. It starts by entrusting the situation to God. 
Make your actions then in obedience to God. Act out of good character. Don't do what you feel like doing in those situations, right? Don't just respond, but act out of good character. Have some, uh, have some depth to you, some substance to how you handle yourself. Give the bad emotions to God so they don't control your life. And then over time, you're going to begin to grow and your strength of character will grow. And all of a sudden, when somebody treats you disrespectfully, instead of getting angry, you're going to find yourself able to react with grace and love. That doesn't happen like this, but it can happen for all of us as we change the way we believe, what we think about life, and what we do as a result of that. Growth only comes through pain and struggle. That's how we get mature. You're going to struggle with a situation. You're going through one right now, and it's hard. You're having the bad emotions. You're trying to get rid of them. You're tempted to do some things to just medicate them or, or forget about them. Instead, guys, look deep in your heart. Spend some time with God. Talk to him about the situation. Give it to him. Give it to him and trust him with it. And say, God, I'm trusting you with this. Every time it comes into your head, every time, God, I gave this to you. I'm trusting this to you. And, and over time, you're going to build the ability to respond differently as you interact with people. Instead of being short-tempered and angry and irritable, you're going to find peace comes in and it levels out. It's okay if you're in pain right now and you're struggling. That's all right. We all have to go through that and, and many of us will continue to go through that because we never arrive at the destination with this. We're always learning it. We're always growing in it. So it's okay if you're hurting right now. Just don't waste that hurt. The Bible says that God disciplines those he loves. If you're his child, he's going to discipline you. He's going to try to teach you to do what's right. That involves pain. So learn from the pain. Allow it to push you towards God. I want to read uh, a psalm to end our time together today. Uh, it's very comforting to me. Um, it's powerful. It says so much about the way God loves us and cares about us. This is Psalm 139. Listen to this. You can close your eyes and listen or, or listen as I read this. This is so powerful. Let it speak into your heart. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and you follow me. Your place, uh, you place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness, I can't hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as the day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake up, you are still with me. O God, if only you would destroy the wicked. 
Get out of my life, you murderers. They blaspheme you. Your enemies misuse your name. Oh, Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred, for your enemies are my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the paths of everlasting life. God, thank you so much for the way you love us and care for us. You walk with us from before we're born. You know everything about us. You're intimately aware of our existence and who we are, down to the depths of our being. God, help us to walk in that truth. Help us to trust you with the situations in our lives where we're tempted to take control and handle it on our own. Father, can we, uh, may we really be able to turn it over to you and trust you with it. And then inside of that situation, do the right things. Act appropriately. Do what we're supposed to do, what you call us to do. So that in the, in the end, we have the good feelings that come from a clear conscience, that come from the ability to trust you and your sovereign power to handle the situations in our life. God, I pray for each person listening to this message, um, either today or, or in the future. God, I pray that you would speak peace into their lives. I pray they'd be able to uh, receive you and your truth and your presence, your spirit into their lives, listen to you as you speak truth to them, so that, Father, they can begin to change their behaviors, which will result in the good feelings that you want to give us. Thank you, God, for loving us. Thank you for your goodness to us. We're so thankful you're our Father and that we get to be your children. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.